0: This is episode 4 of Parenting 2.0 The Focused Mindset. Today, let's talk about why your child hears your voice above anybody else's and how you can use that to your advantage. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey, and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home And with the people you love. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm going to answer this question for you. What is the focused mindset? You hear me talking about it. You know that it's the name of my podcast. But what exactly is it? And why do I believe in it so much? And why do I teach it? I'm even going to get into the science behind why it works and how the mind works. And the way I define the focused mindset is when you decide what your focus will be on purpose, you have the focused mindset. I remember the first time this really affected me in a personal way. It was back when I was in seventh grade. And It's been said the junior high years are some of the worst years to go through, and that was no different for me. Seventh grade was tough, I'm not going to lie. I was that quiet one with the hand-me-down clothes, easily made fun of, and I just kept to myself, probably didn't even get much work done. Yeah, that was me as I walked along the hallways of my junior high. But there was one teacher that I connected with, and that was Mr. Marcos, I couldn't help but listen in his class. He seemed to have a way with his words. It was a health class, and it mostly talked about taking care of yourself and goal setting. And when he spoke, I just tend to perk up and listen. And when he talked about goal setting and what you want to do in the future, I believed in what he said. And I believed that, yes, I do need to plan for my future and decide what I want to do. So one day he gave us a talk about that subject and he talked about brainstorming and the first steps to setting a goal. And he told us to think about all of the different things we love to do and our talents and what we're good at. And he handed out a worksheet and he gave us some homework. And that homework was to go home and write a list of the things that we hope to accomplish in our life based on the things that we're good at. And this was one homework page that I could get behind. I was excited to do this one. So I went home and I was ready to write it down. I brainstormed and thought and I wrote some things down. There was one dream that I just wasn't quite ready to write down. You see, there was more than one reason for me that junior high years were rough. It was the time when my parents got divorced and we moved and had very little money I wore my older cousin's hand-me-downs to school, which definitely isn't a thing that you should do in junior high. And my mom had a job at night at the hospital, so I would stay up and help take care of my brothers and sisters at night and many times neglected my schoolwork and many times was tired. And I didn't have a lot of confidence while I was at school, but there was one activity where I did feel confident And that was once a week I got to go to modeling class. Yes, modeling class. And we would learn how to take pictures and how to walk on a ramp and how to pose and how to go to interviews. And it was just so fun. And I thought, you know what? It would really be fun someday to be in a commercial or be in an ad. That was a dream I held close to my heart. And I had never said it out loud. And I couldn't get myself to write it on the homework because I thought, what would happen if he had us share that paper with a friend? Or worse yet, what if he had us share it in front of the class? No, no, no. I could not take that risk. So I came up with another plan. I decided I would write some of the other things that I want to do on that paper. And then I would wait for after class and I would talk to Mr. Marcos after class and tell him myself face to face what that dream was and I was excited to do it like I had said I hadn't voiced it yet before and so I remember sitting in that class and I couldn't wait for the bell to ring and I anticipated just talking to him about it and what he might say and I waited as the time ticked finally the bell rang and all the kids screed out when every last student had left I said, Mr. Marcos, can I talk to you, please? And he said, sure. And I said, I have one more dream that I didn't put on that paper, and I wanted to tell you about it. And he said, what is it? And I took a deep breath. And I told him, I think it would be fun to be in a commercial or an ad someday. And he leaned down, and he said, well... You know, the purpose of that exercise was to think of things that are realistic. That might not be that realistic. And I was dumbfounded as I walked away and confused at his reaction. And I remember just thinking, oh, that was not what I expected at all. And something changed within me, but it was on a subconscious level. Because I didn't walk away from that meeting and decide, oh, he's right. I definitely should think about things that are more practical and realistic. No, not at all. I kept going to modeling class. And I would still think it would be nice to be in a commercial. The difference is, the next thing my mind would think is, but remember, it might not be realistic. And after that thought pattern repeated itself for a while... I started not being quite so excited or dedicated to the modeling class because my mind went from thinking, oh, it'd be fun to be in a commercial or an ad one day, to instead thinking, I got to think about what's realistic. Now that interaction stayed with me for years. And it wasn't until 2015 when I was in a mindfulness class that I really put the connection together as to why it meant so much to me in that time. It was because there was a shift that happened in my focus in that very moment. You see, I still believed from the bottom of my heart that you should set goals. I believed in what Mr. Marcos was teaching. And from that moment on, I set goals and wrote them down and went for it. The truth is, the other goals that I went for in life were very good and very productive. But there was a shift in focus. My focus went from an optimistic place of, it would be nice to be in a commercial, to a place that doubted my optimism and doubted my dream and said, but it needs to be realistic. That small focus may have changed countless ways that I made decisions that I'm not even aware of because what we focus on matters. You see, it's true what we focus on often eventually becomes our reality. I've seen this time and time again in my practice with all kinds of clients and working with families, and it doesn't matter if the person is focusing on something that's good for them or bad for them. Often, it becomes their reality the more they think about it. And why is that? Well, before we explore that more, I want to go back to the mindfulness class that I mentioned earlier and talk a little bit about that. In 2015, the school district that I worked for offered a mindfulness course. Anybody in the district could sign up for it. It was designed primarily for the purpose of teaching us how to bring the practice of mindfulness into the classroom to help kids focus and relax. And the person that led this class was Dr. Joelle Hood. She's an amazing coach, and she runs all kinds of courses, and I'd recommend you look into her. You can find her on the web at joelhood.com. And when the first day of that class arrived, I found myself in a room full of educators, principals, counselors, and teachers eager to learn. And the first thing she did in her lesson is teach us how to practice mindfulness for ourselves. And this was my first formal introduction to mindfulness. Mindfulness. And I have to say, it completely changed the way that I approached my life. And we were sitting in probably the second session and doing a mindful sit. In that mindful sit, we were asked to think about maybe a dream that was lost or an opportunity that was lost and ponder that in order to come to peace with it. And in that exercise, this memory with Mr. Marcos came to the forefront of my mind And the first feeling was anger, like how dare he rip that dream away from me even though I was very happy with where my life was. But quickly I settled that and I got to thinking about it from his perspective. He couldn't tell that this quiet, mousy looking, hand-me-down clothes, not always doing her work girl could possibly do something like be in a commercial. He didn't see that confidence in me, he thought he was doing me a favor. More so, he was probably just doing a lesson that was in a lesson book, and it really just struck me. So I turned my attention to how that had affected me, and also how powerful the mind is. And that was the beginning of me doing research on exactly how the mind works. I began to learn about something called the reticular activating system, or RAS, R-A-S. And the reticular activating system is the part of the brain that filters out whether something is important or whether something is not important. It's the exact reason why if you're looking for a car to buy, all of a sudden you see all of that exact same car driving on the street. And the same reason that if I right now mention the color blue, you will notice wherever there's blue around you. The mind is an amazing filter, and that system filters out the things that are important and not important. And how do they decide what's important? By what we have focused on in our past. The things that we have listened to, the things that we have inputted, the things that we have valued, that tells our brain, okay, when you hear something like that, listen up, because it rings true with us and it matters. Now, when I first started studying how the brain works, I was a high school counselor, and I was looking at how it's related to students that play video games a lot and that are on the internet quite a bit and how it affects their reality, because whatever you focus on is what your mind thinks about. And so I was doing a research study on the disconnect that can happen with teenagers and basically anybody when they're playing games and the games are so important to them. And that I'll have to get into in another podcast because it's quite interesting But when I began to put the power of focusing on things on purpose in my own life, I began to realize that that reticular activating system can work for us. We don't have to just let things happen to us and then whatever's filtered through our brain, that's what we think is important. We can choose what to focus on. And then that's what that system will remember moving forward. It's kind of like our phones. Yes, I said our phones. We all know that there's chips in our phones that listen to us. And when we're on all of our social media, if we type in a keyword, all of a sudden out of nowhere, our phone knows that that's the type of thing we should get more of. One time in our family, we were thinking about getting a jacuzzi in our backyard. And my husband said, I wonder if there's a portable jacuzzi, something really easy that you can get. And not more than 10 minutes later in his feed, there was ads for exactly that. A portable jacuzzi. So the phone data kind of worked like the RAS system in our brain. And it just picked up what he was thinking and figured that's important and shot it out to him. So it makes you wonder, how can we beat this when we have our own mind working a thousand miles an hour, giving us information based on what we focus on? And then we have our phone shooting out stuff to us and putting in our brain based on what we say and the conversations we have. Well, it shows that it's just even that much more important to choose what we focus on and choose what we talk about when we're around our phones. (laughs) So the question remains, how much of this is changeable? How much can we actually change if we've been thinking one pattern of thinking that hasn't served us and therefore our future has in some ways gone in directions we don't want it to go? How can we change that? Well, as I continued to do research, I learned about neuroplasticity. Yeah, neuroplasticity. Try saying that four times fast. You were probably like, neuro what? That is the key to knowing that we can change anything about our future based on our focus. Because that's the study of knowing that our brain is always learning, is always changing. It's like the most sophisticated computer that anyone could ever imagine because it uploads information and stores it quicker than ever. But we can decide what we put in our brain and what we focus on will absolutely change what our mind believes. So with all of that science that I just put at you, I knew that I needed to put in practice the focused mindset for myself that I wanted to help my kids and anyone that I came in contact with. And I have seen amazing results. Amazing results with adults with with myself for goodness sake. When I decided to say, you know what? I'm going to filter the thoughts that come into my brain. If it is not a helpful thought, then I'm going to replace it with something else, and I'm going to on purpose do that. Sometimes dark thoughts can come into our mind. And when I started practicing, saying, wait a minute, I need to capture that thought. I need to set it aside and think something else. I noticed a difference in myself. I noticed a difference in almost everyone that I've watched go through this transformation. And you will notice a difference in you the more you do that. Some of you were already probably thinking about a time that you had an experience much like my own when something flippant was told to you and it just changed your way of thinking. And then maybe other experiences where you have focused on something and you've made it happen. But another thing that we need to ponder is how this affects our children, the kids we're raising, the kids that we're around and that we influence. Now I can say, That as a counselor, I have taught the focused mindset on many different forms to students. And when it comes to a child dealing with a bully or maybe a teacher that they have a hard time with or even a group of friends, the results are amazing. But the results are tough, if not impossible. When the person that's dragging them down or saying negative things is a parent. Because they know from very early on that that is a voice that they listen to. That voice trumps all the others. Whether they're saying something negative or positive, the brain pays attention to the things that are said by the parents. And when I'm counseling a child and I know that I'm coming across that obstacle I always kind of feel a bit sad because I know they have quite a journey ahead of them and there might be negative self-talk flowing through their mind that they won't be able to sort out until they're adults. I know that you, the parent, are the most important person in the life of your child. There's just no getting around it. All of these things happen subconsciously. Developmentally, kids filter through their life. Their brain is filtering just like an adult would. But the things that are important to them, they automatically gravitate towards the, their parents' voice, the things in their home, the things they've heard since they're a very small baby. Their mind will perk up to that and their brain will pay attention and other voices fade away. Wow. Wow when you really consider that, it shows the importance of being a parent or someone raising a kid in any capacity. What an important job. Because on a subconscious level, you are writing how your child will approach their life in their future. Consider this. How we treat our kids and what we say to them often eventually becomes our child's reality. Let me say that again. How we treat our kids and what we say to them often eventually becomes their reality. That is a powerful thing. Now, there is always times within families that people lose their tops, and lose their temper, and say things they don't mean. But knowing this reality and knowing that is very humbling because yes sometimes every single person in the family has their moment but once i really thought about that i was able to humble myself more often and go back when i said something i really didn't mean and correct that and that's what i'm going to encourage you to do as a parent consider the things you say day in and day out and are there things that sometimes you need to up oh, correct yourself and say you know i didn't really mean that exactly. What I meant was, and then correct that. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but it's worth it when we figure that our kid believes the things that we say. So right now, we're going to take a minute to talk about how we might consider the message of what we give our kids, aside from the day in and day out things that might happen and people get upset and then they make up and that kind of thing. There are things that you can think about on purpose to plan for the message that you're giving your kid. Let's use the example of them being lazy. Let's say you have a kid that's being extremely lazy with what they're doing. One thing you could say to them when you see that is, You're lazy. You're the laziest thing I've ever seen. What in the world is wrong with you? Stop being lazy. Well, something inside of you might think that that'll motivate them not to be lazy, or it might feel good just to get that out. But in reality, the kid looks at you, but their mind thinks, yeah, I'm lazy. I'm lazy. My mom knows it. Everyone knows it. So we need to take that completely off the table of something that you say. So let's just say that that's never said when you have a lazy kid. What would be a step up from that? But a step up from that might be that you say you're being lazy. Maybe that's a C student if you were getting graded on it. You're being lazy is definitely better than you are lazy. But let's get better than that. I think we can do better than that. How about if you say, you're acting lazy right now? Hmm, that puts across a completely different message to your child, doesn't it? And that would be a good B student, but we're looking for A work here. I mean, you're in Parenting 2.0. You've been upgraded. You're not looking to just slack off. So what could you do if you're trying to get across to your kid that they're being lazy in the Most productive way possible. How about if you say something like this? You need to make better use of your time. See what you did there? You flipped it to something they need to do rather than something they're not doing. Now, that is really using the focused mindset because it takes doing that on purpose. That's not just automatic. You need to be able to think, what is my child doing and what is the thing I want them to do? And then craft a sentence that tells them exactly what they need to be doing. See, now the mind hears that and the mind hears, oh, I need to make better use of my time. And they can work on that. That's something they can work with. You can't really work much with your being lazy, but you can certainly work on how to use time better. You can plug that into anything that your child is dealing with. There will be power in it, let me tell you. And as you start practicing it, you'll notice a, a different reaction in your child. And even if that reaction is not shown to you right away, that does not mean you failed. Because like we talked about, the subconscious mind is taking in the words that you said. And what you're doing is you're saying the words into their mind and speaking that into them so they can go out with the type of mindset that you want them to have in the future. You want them to be an adult that thinks I need to and looks for solutions to their problems. You don't want to raise a child that thinks about their problems and leaves it at that. Solution-focused speech means that you're going to point out the things that they need to do. And a step above that, you're going to notice when they do it. Alright, so so far we've discussed what the focused mindset is, why it works so well, and why it's good for both you and your kids. And now you get to practice it. Yes! That's so exciting. I'm going to go over with you a solution-focused inspired exercise, and we're going to do it a little bit different today because we're going to be focusing on discipline. Oh wow, disciplining our kids. Our least, at least my least favorite thing to do. But today, you're going to need a piece of paper, or you can write it down later if you're not able to. And for each one of your kids, you're going to give them some special attention, and you're going to be planning what might happen and actually writing down what you want to say when you discipline them. Like I said, you're doing it on purpose. Because you're looking for the best result possible. So this has a lot to do with what we talked about earlier. And what you're going to do is you're going to think about that child of yours and what gets them in trouble. What do they always seem to get scolded about? And no matter how many times that you have trained them, they come back to that trait. What gets under your skin and just drives you crazy and you're trying to teach them, but they aren't getting it? Write those things down along one side of the piece of paper. Oh, I bet you at least two or three will pop right into your mind. Now for each one of those, we're going to move from problem-focused to solution-focused by going from what they shouldn't do to what they should do. And you're going to craft an amazing, perfectly constructed sentence about each one of those traits that will tell them what they should do. Now, I'm going to give you some guidelines around that right now. I'm going to tell you how this sentence should start. One way is like I did earlier in the podcast, you need to. Some kids work really well with just directly knowing what they need to do. So you need to is one option. Now some kids, and only you know if this is your child, some kids might feel like you're telling them what to do when you say you need to, and then you get in the battle of don't tell me what to do. That's never helpful. If your child might be prone to that, let's just avoid that altogether. Some other options are, I need you to, or maybe even better, I'm asking you to. I would say with older kids, I'm asking you to gets a lot better results. Any, any child mm, I'd say over 12, I'm asking you to is the one I would recommend. But for each and every one of these things that you identified, you are going to take a minute and craft a sentence. In order to spark your imagination, I'm going to talk about some that you may have written down. How about arguing? Hmm. If they have siblings. Arguing might be one of them. Stop arguing could change to, I need you guys to get along with one another. How about if they're being messy? Stop being messy might be, I'm asking you to pick up after yourself. What about if they're disobeying? Stop disobeying might be, I'm asking you to obey the rules. Or I'm asking you to mind what I say the first time. These are the messages that you want to send, not only because it helps them focus on exactly what their task is, but because it helps you be a more effective parent as you're disciplining. So take the time to write those things down. But no, you are not going to stop there. No, I'm not letting you off the hook there. This entire next week, I want you to actually look for an opportunity when they're getting in trouble. Now, that's not very often that I tell you to look for the negatives. I think you might already know that about me. But in this case, you're not going to be able to ignore it. They're going to do something and it's time for you to discipline you are going to decide on purpose to use your powerfully constructed brand new sentence when you discipline them. Now you might have to say it sternly, and it might not be uh, something that they want to hear, but you'll say it in that new, different type of way. You need to. I'm asking you to. And then see how you feel about that. See how they react to that. And I very much looking forward to hearing from you what your results are. This is the type of practice that is going to take a little bit of effort for you throughout the week because you're going to need to remember and you're going to need to do it. But I am confident that you are going to be so proud of the results that you see both in you and your kids. And like I said, I do want to hear about it. So why don't you email me? My email is share, C-H-E-R, at thefocusedmindset.com. And as we come to a close on this podcast, wow, we went through a lot. We talked about what The Focused Mindset actually is. It's when you decide what you're going to focus on on purpose. And we talked about how what you focus on often eventually becomes your reality and what you tell your kids often eventually becomes their reality. We also talked about the science and how the brain works and why having a focused mindset is just a wonderful practice to have. And now you're ready to go out and conquer this week and be the very best version of yourself for your family and for all of those you love. Don't forget to email me At share at thefocusedmindset.com and let me know how things are going. Also subscribe. And I'd love for you to leave a review. That tells Apple that they should keep playing this and promoting it. It helps me grow. And go ahead and share this. If you know somebody who would love information like this, share it with them. And we're going to grow this thing. And you know what? If you want to, go ahead and bounce over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com. And you'll have all kinds of resources that you can get there. So it's time for me to sign off. Just know that I believe in you. You got this. And until next time, take care.